Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support, which is always nice, 24-7. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code CG at checkout to get 10% off. That's CG, like Chris Gethard, which is me, who you're listening to. Squarespace, support them. What's up, party people? This is Chris Gethard, and you're listening to beautiful stories from anonymous people. One phone call, one hour, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. This episode, I really enjoyed the conversation you're about to hear this guy reminded me a lot of myself in certain ways with his nervousness. He starts talking about parking tickets. You'll hear it. But very quickly, I realize this guy didn't want to just talk about parking tickets. He wanted to talk about uh, life choices and regrets and fear and the nature of art and his own um, semi-narcissism. Anyway, check it out. It's, uh, it's an interesting call. He was a real nice guy. Whoever you are, thank you for calling. I'll never know. If we ever meet face-to-face, I'll have no idea this was you who shared all these things, but I greatly enjoyed our conversation, and listeners, I hope you do too. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hey, man, it's Gethard. Hey, I have a question about uh, street parking in New York City question about street parking in New York City. I'll tell you, I've always kept a car in New York City, so this is a topic I'm really well acquainted with. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, I just got a car in New York City, and I'm finding it to be a nightmare to park here. Yeah. Uh, Either a nightmare or, like, super great. Oh, Um, so no middle ground. No middle ground. Uh, I don't understand when the signs have a little arrow, if it's indicating... Uh, from there to the rest of the block or from there to the block prior. Does that make sense? It does. I'm going to tell you something right off the bat. It feels to me like you're overthinking this one. Okay. Like it feels like you're thinking really hard about street parking. I am. Yeah, I don't want to get a ticket. Yeah, but it seems like this is... This is it seems like... It's, yeah, like the arrow points to the end of the block. I mean, like, uh, when the the street sign is facing uh, the driver, and it's got an arrow... Pointing towards the driver? Yes. Yeah, Like, it would be a street sign. Yeah, so let's say you pull up to a street sign, and Mm -hmm. the arrow is pointing in the direction from whence you came, and it says no parking, that means... From that point to the end of the block that you are that you have been previously driving on, you can't park from there. But if it says okay. like if it says like Tuesday Thursday, no parking Tuesday Alternate Thursday. Parking. Yeah. yeah, then that means it, from the previous section of the block on Tuesdays and Thursdays, from whatever time it says you can't park on that section of the block. Okay, and then so I went to work this morning and had to wait for about an hour circling the block for parking. Yeah. And when I found an area that seemed to be clear, they were all perched on the other side waiting for the street cleaner. Yeah. 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 Is that like a normal thing? Yeah. That's a thing people do because as soon as that alternate side clears up, they want those slots. 
So even if that out. time slot is still wide open, like as long as the street sweeper is gone. Yeah, because then park. what they'll do is they'll sit there, and if they see the cops or the street sweeper coming through, then they'll clear out again and, and come back around the block. Yeah, that's sneaky. Yeah. So are you driving? Are you driving into Manhattan for work? Uh, no, I'm driving into Brooklyn. Yeah, no, but that makes I'm sense. in Manhattan occasionally. All right. So let me. Are you are you a nervous person in general? Um, moderate. Yeah, because this one seems like it's stressing you out, man. Yeah, I like following rules, and this is a rule where they penalize you if you get it wrong. Yeah, they definitely do, and it costs you money. So you yeah. like you like following rules? Yeah. Really? Anytime yeah, I get a I'm, chance to break a rule, I'm ready to go. That's uh, one of my favorite things. Like it's, it's one of my favorite stress. things. I get that, though. Yeah, because I hate when people are mad at me, and I constantly assume that they are. Yeah. But you break the rules anyway. Sometimes. If I know I'm going to get away with it, then I happily break a rule. <laughs> it's like one of the little joys of life is breaking a rule, right? I guess, yeah. I like, yeah, I guess. I guess you're not wrong. Do you in ever break school, rules? I, oh, yeah, in school, yeah, in what school, happened? I would, I'd break rules that I knew I could get away with. Like, I'd... I don't mind breaking rules within a structure. Okay. I don't know. If it seems like it's uh, something larger that can get fucked with, I don't mind fucking with it. Like so like schools, an institution, gonna... like an institution you'll mess with. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't want to deal with a parking ticket. <laughs> no. But see here, uh, if you if you park, let's say you park in a spot, and it's a half hour before you're supposed to do it, and you get away with it. Wouldn't you feel like you just gamed New York City as a whole? Wouldn't you feel great about that? I should. I right now, since I'm so new at it, the pit of my stomach falls out, and I feel like I'm about to throw up. But are you new? Like, are you if, new to New York City in general, or just having a car in New York City? Just having a car in New York City. I've lived here for a while. How long? How long are we talking? Uh, three years. Three years. And what prompted you to get a car? Most people, most people get to New York, they don't want a car. Yeah, I, I just recently moved to an area that has a little bit more of a residential feel. Okay. And it, part of like feeling like I live in New York City now, to me, always was like, if I have a car, if I'm able to like maintain some of that uh, suburban upbringing in an urban environment it would make me feel like it was my home now oh so you're craving this you're craving the suburbs you're missing the suburbs no, no i'm just craving like the sense of home the sense of home yeah three years in so are you starting to doubt your decision to move to new york city at all is this no, some not subconscious one not one bit but at the same time you're craving home psychologically that seems to me like you're missing something that you no longer have Maybe. I mean, I think more than that, it's just wanting to make New York my home. Okay. Okay. Are you? I guess, maybe. Huh. Talk to me overall. What's the big picture here? What's the big picture with you in your life? This car represents something. I don't want to talk about the car anymore. I want to talk about what the car represents. There's something sure. here. Uh, big picture, I'm like trying to figure out what I'm doing in New York career wise. Like I moved here for a career that 
has been really slow to start. It's what was uh, that? not really take. Hmm? What's that career? Illustration. Illustration. That sounds yeah. even harder than comedy. Uh, in comedy, I think you probably have a good sense of, uh, how you're doing because it's more of a public, I guess maybe not. Well, there's public feedback. You do have the validation of knowing like if you're funny, a crowd laughed and you can always hang on to that. Yeah. So what are you, illustration, what are your options here? Like advertising or is that sellout? Is that like sellout bullshit that you don't want to get into? I don't mind sell bullshit as long as I can have some creative control over it. Well, that's There's the real like rub. Editorial illustration. Hmm? That's the real rub, isn't it? Yeah, control. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, so, talk to me here. What are the gigs you're aiming for as an illustrator? What are like the like? I know for me, one of my big things right now as a comedian is I really want to get past at the comedy cellar, but I'm so scared of it that I don't even go. I've never even I never even go and step foot in it because I'm so scared. Of it to really? me, that's like as a New York comedian, like that's the crown jewel. That's the place where you want to be, and I'm really nervous. I feel like I'm at a point where I could be there, but I'm just nervous sure. to step in the door and just go for it and go through that awful audition process. So, as an illustrator, what are the crown jewels? Is it New Yorker cartoons? I don't know anything about your world. Fill me in on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like getting published in the New Yorker, getting a, a spot in the op-ed section of the New York Times. It would be. Uh, on a bigger scale, like self-publishing or not self-publishing, but being uh, published as like a standalone book, like a graphic novel uh, type thing. Yeah, like a graphic novel of sorts. Yeah. And where uh, are you at? Where are you at in this process? How close are you to uh, those things? Can you taste it yet, or is it is it far away? I could taste it when I got here. When I first moved here, stuff started to happen, and then it all sort of petered out. So you had that initial burst of you're here, you're the new kid on the scene, people want to meet you, people are seeing your stuff, it feels fresh, it feels new. Now they know what they're getting, and you have to kind of slug it out a little bit more with the rest of the riffraff, and you're starting to feel a little bit more like riffraff than you thought you were going to be when you got to New York. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough part. That's a tough part of New York City life. And winter's coming, yeah. man. Winter's coming. It's getting cold, unforgiving. All those feelings are only going to feel worse as you have to stay inside. I'm sorry to bum you out, but I'm just trying to give you a dose of reality here. No, it's fair. It's fair. It's not going to kick me out of the city. It'd be uh, it'd take an act of God for me to leave. But An act of God. That's Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, oh, and that's... Yeah, look, the winter's coming, too. That's going to make everything harder for your... your it's, it's your, your, your career ambitions and parking. Parking will get harder. Although sometimes when it snows real bad, you can just leave your car places and they stop with the alternate side. You know, you always call 311. You see if the alternate side is on or off. Oh, really? You always do that. Before you even have to talk to a human, they list whether alternate side is happening. 311. And there's oh, so many yeah. holidays you don't know about. There's so many holidays yeah. from different cultures and religions. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful melting pot of diversity. And one of your benefits is that sometimes there's a holiday from a culture you're very unfamiliar with, and you don't have to switch your car to the other side of the street. It's New York City. It's the best. So anyway, yeah. are, you, are there other illustrations? Here's another thing. Illustration to me seems like a very isolating, individual, solitary pursuit. Is that true? That's true. Are there conventions? Are there places you go to meet other illustrators? Is there some sort of romantic world in New York City where all the illustrators are at one coffee house and it's like there's 
There is? Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's a thing called the Society of Illustrators. But the Society it's, of uh, Illustrators. Like a bunch of really old white dudes who sort of have been doing this for years and years, and it's it feels much more like a a, a boys' club than this is what great. I, and I'll tell you something: mm-hmm. you're totally anonymous. So as much shit as you want to talk, you can get into it. Name names. We'll bleep them if we have to legally, but you go ahead. If you if there's anybody you want to call out, you want to put them in the crosshairs. Now's the time, my man. I mean, I, the thing is, I don't know who runs the Society of Illustrators by name. I just know that they just pat each other on the back, and uh, they publish an annual every year that I just got rejected from, which is fine. I get it, but it's, it, it still seems to get rejected from a thing that is supposed to like herald the best of the best, and I just want to fucking... I don't know. Can I just say something? The phrase, yeah. which is fine, I get it, never never just means which is fine, I get it. It always implies <laughs> such a deeper well of feelings. Which is fine, I get it. Y- yeah, you don't, you don't get it. You don't agree with that at all. No, you're right, I don't. You think you should have been in that My shit. Way. You think the shit that's in there is bullshit and your shit was better bullshit. And these, this old guard needs to step down because the new wave is coming, man. You do think that? Yeah. Yeah, I do think that. Are these all New Yorker guys? Uh, like people from New York? No, like guys who are published oh, like, in the New Yorker all the time. Uh, some of them, yeah. Can I ask you something honestly? And this is going to be controversial sure. as a person who lives in New York and identifies as a New Yorker for many years now. Are New Yorker cartoons funny? No. They're not, right? Not a, no. And, and some of them literally don't even make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't understand the New Yorker cartoons, and I am not even sure I understand the New Yorker. But it is a status symbol, and I guess the same way that the Comedy Cellar would be for you. So you don't even get it, but you want it. Yeah. So you want is and why is that a thing? You can like send the clipping home to your parents and be like, "Fuck you! This is why I got into this." You doubted me. Uh, my parents are super supportive. They oh, never mind. Am I, yeah. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. They uh. They like when they can see me in published things, and they like when they know the name of the company that I've done work for. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done much cooler stuff for no-name people, but when something's on, like, NBC's website, they're like, hell yeah. So you've been on NBC's website? Yeah, like the news section. Okay. So you've had some hits. You've had some things go out there. You're not a schlub. You're not yeah. a dreamer. You're not some dreamer. You got what it takes. This was like back in early 2014 or like late 2013, and I haven't had anything like that since. So okay, so you hit a peak, and now you're in a valley, and the valley's lasting a little longer than you wanted to. Yeah. Oh, that ain't good. Yeah. And is illustrate like, yeah. okay? First, I got a couple questions. First, sure. is illustration the type of thing? This happens all the time in comedy. There's a lot of people are saying, "Oh, you, you could do this thing for exposure." Come do this thing for mm-hmm. no money, but a lot of exposure. Do you yeah. get that a lot? That's a ton of the work that gets offered up. That's infuriating. It's all free. Does it make you yeah. furious all the time? Uh, not all the time. Sometimes I'll even do it depending on how well I know the person who's asking for it. But okay, so if there's, if there's it, some juice there and if it's a person that you trust their integrity, you'll go for it. 
Yeah, definitely. But there's a lot of situations where you got to say, like, hey, man, sorry, exposure don't put food in my stomach. Yeah. Exposure don't yeah, help sorry, me raise these a... kids. Exposure don't help me raise these kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have kids. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. But if you do, exposure don't help. Nope. Do you have no, kids? I do not, know. Yeah, okay. So we'll cross that one off the list. <laughs> so when, okay, how do you become, how do you become an illustrator? At what point in your life do you realize this is the thing? This is the aim. This is the goal. When did I, or when do people in general? You walk me, I mean, walk me through your personal experience. Were you that kid who could draw? You were always the kid who could draw in class, right? Yeah, I was the kid who drew in class and uh, I went to college for fine art and quickly realized that the fine art scene is so bizarre. It's like all galleries and you have, I I just didn't get it and I didn't feel like I belonged there. And so, uh, so fine art working. I'm very ignorant. I mean, I ask a lot of ignorant questions because I'm going to assume a lot of other people, because I think I'm a pretty smart guy. Yeah. So fine art, that's, that's the world of painting. That's the world of, of like, uh, abstract people aiming to get museums, people aiming to have gallerists support their work. And illustration is a little bit more of what, like a working class, Maybe a little bit more disposable, but a little more instant, a little bit more in the moment. Is that the difference that we're talking here? Very much so, yeah. So yeah. you feel like this is a little bit more of a gritty, blue-collar, talk-to-the-people type of art form that you're participating, fine art, a little bit in its own world, a little bit inaccessible, a little bit maybe pretentious. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. You nailed it. Okay, I nailed it. I feel like I feel like you and I are starting to get each other. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, at what, oh yeah, go talk. Yeah, and then uh, after I graduated, I moved home for about a year to try and like figure out my personal shit and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Uh huh. Because I just got this degree that I don't think I want to use anymore. Yeah. And had a friend who was working as an art director, which is uh, a position at uh, like magazines or at. Uh, it's a position all over mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere that needs visuals. And the art director basically gets those visuals by either hiring out freelance illustrators or uh, if there's an in-house art team, getting Staff. them to do the art for Staff them. Up. So he was working as an art director and was like, you should totally check out illustration. Sounds much more like what you're uh, interested in and I did, and was like, "Yeah." I and admit this. it. There's a part of you. There's a part of you that's like, "Illustrate." I'm a fine art guy. Illustration. I can crap this out. There's a part yeah. of you. Yeah, where it feels like I don't need to put much thought into this because it's just illustration. And then, as you get into it, does that remain true, or are you now seeing? Are, are there parts of you that are like, "Oh no, I, I was underestimating this art form in general," or are you still a little bit like, "I got this." No, I definitely feel like I underestimated it. There's people who have a lot of success who I feel like don't deserve it because the amount of uh, accolades they receive are disproportionate to how interesting their work is. You know what I like about you? You know what I'm going to say about you right out of the gate? A thing that I really enjoy is you always remain calm. You Uh seem like a soft-spoken fellow. I would say a gentle fellow just from your tone of voice. You always remain calm. There's been three or four times in our 15 minutes together thus far where there's been a very clear-cut, quiet, simmering rage just underneath the surface. <laughs> and I like it. 
I like cool. it. When you call out this society illustrators, when you're like, yeah, you say it like this. You're like, oh, some people get accolades and they definitely don't deserve them. And you can say it in that tone of voice all you want. There's been some late nights. There's been some restless nights where you can't sleep because you're thinking about these bastards and the awards and these meaningless awards that get them so much momentum, get them so much worse. Yeah. But what is that award? That's a, that's a bullshit award given by bullshit people to bullshit people. That's what you're really saying. Yeah, it's a hand job circle. A hand job circle. <laughs> Illustration is a hand job circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really, like it. And uh, then you have that quiet little giggle that's your way of acknowledging, I just fucking nailed those dudes. <laughs> I get you. You're never going to speak loudly, not with your words, but with your pen. Different story. Huh? Do you ever, do you we'll ever see, draw, we'll do you ever draw private rage illustrations that the world doesn't get to see? Oh, for sure. Ah, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Have you ever driven? Have you ever drawn something so crazy that if people saw it, they'd think you had like real emotional problems? Yeah, I used to do that in high school all the time, and I had to stop because people would see it, and it was becoming a problem. Okay, talk to me. What are these things? Like, did, were they thinking you were going to be like, you know, like a Columbine type? Yeah, they thought you were going to be a Columbine kid. Yeah, they were worried about me. This seems like a real good time for us to take a break. See how I'm jumping in the middle? We tease it. You want to come back for more? We'll get back to the conversation right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Merge Records, the label that over the last 25 years has been home to many great bands, including Arcade Fire, Spoon, and Neutral Milk Hotel. You can't go wrong with the Neutral Milk Hotel, right? Merge recently released records by M. Ward, Benji Hughes, and the Mountain Goats, who I like when I need to feel emotions. Look for new albums from Bob Mould and Eric Bachman in stores later this month. Visit MergeRecords.com to learn about, listen to, and shop for music by these artists and many more. Listeners of this podcast get 20% off any order using coupon code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. And as always, domestic shipping is free. Again, go to mergerecords.com, enter beautiful at checkout, get 20% off your purchase. Makes me feel cool that they're sponsoring this show, so I hope everybody steps up, gets Merge Records products, reminds them that they got them through this podcast, because I feel good about this. Merge Records, home of independent music since 1989. Okay, it's time to return to our call. They thought you were going to be a Columbine kid. Yeah, they were worried about me. Okay, talk, what are these illustrations that cause this concern? Uh, just like uh, real morbid shit, like drawing my teachers getting decapitated, uh, like <laughs> stabbing other students. Uh, and the, and you're, you're a good enough artist that these teachers and students, they can recognize themselves in these drawings. Yeah, either recognize or I'll fucking label them. You would label them. You would write. So if there's a girl named mm -hmm. Jessica and you asked her out and she's like, nay, no thanks, nerd, you'd draw a picture of yeah. Jessica getting a knife through the eye or like a crossbow through the neck and you'd just write I mean, maybe, Jessica Maybe not for it. being turned down, but for like things that I felt were injustices that were not getting recognized. Injustices. Like, okay. Okay. Talk to me here. Because you're a man who thinks in terms of injustice. nothing like noble. Still, you use the phrase injustice, and that takes a certain type of person to think of the world as justice versus injustice. 
So what's uh, the what's, yeah. what's the one you actually got caught? You're you got a code. You have a code, don't you? You have a moral code that guides you. Very strong one, yeah. Yeah, I'm picking up on that. So go ahead, talk to me. Uh, I want to know first, what's the illustration that got you in trouble? What's what's the one that got you the talking to? I had uh, two biology teachers. I had Mr. Holcomb and Mr. Cheney, and they had a lesson. Name names. Grade. I love yeah, it. Name, name names. They know. Holcomb Mr. Holcomb, he knows. Cheney could be anywhere, but Mr. Holcomb, he knows. Yeah. He, they, uh, they had a lesson uh, on... Something, I think it was marine biology was the section. And in the section, uh, it sounds so petty to say it, but they, they, the, in the exam going over the section, they had uh, explicitly said in one of the lectures a fact about sea urchins that I've lost to time. But uh-huh. in the exam, I used the information that they had given in the lecture to answer the question and I got it wrong. Uh, and so they I said some stuff that was wrong and then you quote their stuff back to them and they mark you wrong. That's on them as bad teachers. That's not on you as a bad student. Yeah. And I went up to them afterwards and said, I, I'm a hundred percent certain you said this thing in class and they just said, Nope, we didn't. And it's wrong. So deal with it. Okay. So Holcomb and, and Cheney, they put it on you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's your, what are you, you're a student, they're a teacher. There's no way for you to lash out. No. Except then you look at a blank piece of paper and you don't see a blank piece of paper. You see. See an opportunity to draw them decapitated. And who's decapitated? Is it just heads on the ground or is it you decapitating them? It was heads on the ground. Heads on the ground. So their bodies, identifiable, labeled. Their heads, visible, talented artists. They see it. They know that's their head on the ground. Yeah. Because they they said some shit about sea urchins, and then you got marked down about it. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, from my perspective, I get your point. I also see their reason for concern. Sure. A hundred percent, and so did I, which is why I decided to cut that shit out. You did. You saw that this was this something that, yes, yes, you can't threaten to decapitate a teacher because of no. a lesson about sea urchins, that that might be a little bit of a big reaction. A little bit of an overreaction, yeah. Yeah. So what do they say? Does the guidance counselor call you in, the principal? How far does this go? Superintendent, no, you got to go before the school board? It. Is it like a small town movie where you got to go back before the school board, defend the right for art to exist in general? No, it wasn't anything quite as dramatic. Another teacher, my English teacher, saw it and was like, you can't be drawing stuff like that. And I instantly recognized how badly I'd fucked up and just threw it out and stopped drawing shitty pictures like that. Now, did Holcomb and Cheney ever see it or hear about it that you know of? Not that I know of. Look at that. Okay. So you do, you have this moral code... You have this sense of justice. Now you're in New York City. You see people less talented than you getting the accolades that you think you deserve. Straight up. Yeah. Now, are you on the radar? Are you on their radar? Are you close? Or are you, are you on the outside looking in? It's so hard to tell. I, it feels like I'm on the outside looking in, but at the same time, I could be on the radar, and I just have no way of knowing. And are you submitting no- constantly? Is it constant submissions? 
Yeah, there's a once a year submission, and I do it every year for that for that journal for the Society of uh, of Old White Men Journal. For the Society for the Society of Illustrators, and then like individual art directors all send stuff out to them. And how does this work? If you get in this journal, you get in the Society Illustrators Journal. Game changer, career game changer. Um, potentially. I mean, it definitely puts you on a different level. It'd be the equivalent of like getting on a Lloyd team in UCB terms. Okay, so you're familiar with my world, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Good to know. Okay, I am. Yeah. Hey, no hints. Yeah, I don't so- want to know who you are. I want to be able to speak freely if we've ever crossed paths. Don't want to know about it, my friend. Sure. So stop dropping hints, yeah. you cheater. You're cheating at the podcast. Fine, I'll stop cheating. Fine, fine. And if you got a problem with uh, that, draw a picture of me with my I'll head on the, the ground. Do you got a you got a problem with what I have to say? You draw a picture of me with my head on the ground, okay? <laughs> no, no. Now wait. Now, how far do like do your parents know about the, this inner dark side? Do the people around you know that you got this fighter's edge? That you got this chip on your shoulder? How much public knowledge is this? Um, I keep it pretty cool and collected. Okay, so that's the scary type. So on the surface, yeah. you're walking down the street, regular guy, quiet, living life inside. A real taxi driver esque storm is brewing. Is it a movie or Taxi Driver? Is, is yeah, you've never seen Taxi Driver? Uh-uh. Oh, you would love it. It's about guys like you. It's like a very extreme example of what we've been talking about. It's like a guy <laughs> in the 70s, New York City, played by Robert De Niro. I'm sure you're familiar with De Niro. Vaguely. Vaguely. You're vaguely familiar with 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 American uh-huh. culture icon Robert De Niro? Yeah. Not wait, hold on. Hold on. What? What? You don't know who Robert De Niro is. Uh, I I uh, I don't know that I could what movies have you been in? Let's start with the big one. Analyze this. Analyze this? It. Nothing? No. No. Goodfellas. Uh no. Casino. No. No taxi driver. No. He's like Martin Scorsese's guy. I guess I've never seen him in movies. He's in Godfather, but is he only in the God the third Godfather? I don't know. He's I in Godfather Two. He's in Godfather Two. That's still one of the good ones. I didn't see it. So you don't watch movies? Not really, no. Silver Linings Playbook, another one about guys like you and me. Didn't see it. I know it's a more recent one. It has the Hunger Games girl in it. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, that's, yeah. Yeah, okay. You, you said yes, like it was an accomplishment to know that uh, an Oscar <laughs> an Oscar winner won an Oscar, I believe, for that movie that won many Oscars. You're saying that like that's okay. some victory. Yeah, so you watch movies at all? Do you watch any movies? I uh, watch some movies. I just am really bad with names and faces, and I have a big gap in my pop culture knowledge. From... Now I'm going to ask you something, and you might not like where this is about to go. Okay? Sure. You don't know who Robert De Niro is. I guarantee you that is an icon of American film. That's not an exaggeration at all. Yeah. It seems to me I know like... the name. 
it seems to me like an illustrator, you're supposed to know about pop culture. What if an art director gives you an assignment that says we need something that evokes like a Godfather feel? That to me, you'll Google it. And hey, hey, let me ask you this: You think maybe there's some other illustrators out there that don't need to Google it? And maybe they're getting in the old uh, journal of the Society of Illustrators. You maybe think some of them, some of them guys, might be getting maybe maybe some of this work that happens short notice. Some of these magazines, we need something like this and that. And then this art director calls you up and says. uh, Hey, so uh, we need something that's like Star Wars. And you're like, yeah, I don't know what that is. I'd straight up do not watch movies. I'll watch a trailer or two and then respond to the email. I'm like, oh. sure, I can totally do this. You hear the hubris. You Do you hear the hubris in your own voice? Uh-huh. You do? I do. I do. Okay. We found another side of you here. There's a... Uh, you are set in your ways, aren't you? There's some parts of you where you're set in your ways, and it gets in the way sometimes. True, very true. Star Wars. Have you watched Star Wars? I have, yeah. I've seen them all. You've seen them all, all six of them? Yep. So you'll watch all three prequels, but you can't, uh, you can't come down from the mountaintop and watch The Godfather. <laughs> ah, I like the prequels. I think that they were underrated. Oh, God. Everything about this conversation just stopped. And it's just... <laughs> Don't you laugh. Don't you laugh at this. This is very serious. You can't... I liked it. I, no, I liked, I liked Star Wars Episode One. I know that it's not a popular opinion to have, but I do, I do recognize the flaws in the cinematography. I think that the green screening is disgusting and overdone, but I don't, I Listen, don't hate them in spite of that. I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not really interested in having a breakdown of the Star Wars prequels, okay? <laughs> There's going to be enough of that happening in the, in the coming months. But I will say sure. this. You are in a field where you have to get, correct me if I'm wrong, there's times where you got to work fast. Yeah. There's times Very. where someone calls you up, they need you to just, it needs to be go time and you need to get it done. There's times where it's going to be, hey, I need a thing by the morning. Are you the guy that's going to get it to me or do I pick up the phone and call the next guy? Yeah. And someone could call you up and say, like, hey, I need something about, uh, I need something, and, and Don Corleone, I need Don Corleone to be in the middle of it because it's a political thing, and we're comparing a politician to Don Corleone. And you would have to say, I haven't seen The Godfather, but I know he has oranges, and it's black and white. And then that art director hangs up the fucking phone. <laughs> it's not black and white, first of all. The oranges but- thing, it's cool that you know. That is a thing you know. But then the same art director could call you up. And they could say, hey, um, I need a thing, and it needs to involve Padme, but not the Natalie Portman Padme, the post-Natalie Portman Padme that they never really explain why there's a new Padme. Well, it's the bodyguard. It's the bodyguard who's the so queen. you'd nail that. Old. You'd nail that. Kira Knightley. That wasn't Kira Knightley, was it? Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it was Kira Knightley who oh. was her Stunt double. I, we have producers are currently Googling this because I'll tell you, I can see them behind a pane of glass and people are flabbergasted. I have to say, I have to say, has this ever gotten in the way of your work? Your extraordinary lack of pop culture knowledge? Uh, not thus far. Not thus far. It's going to bite you in the ass someday. And I tell you, when it does, you're going to think back to this conversation. You're going to say, oh, Gethard was right. You say, oh, Gethard, I was laughing in the moment. Should have listened. (laughs) 
Also, they're good movies. What are you you watching all the bad movies? You can't watch the good movies. Fine, I'll watch a good movie once in a while. Well, don't do me any fucking favors, man. I'll do the favor for myself. Thank do you. Myself the favor of watching a good movie. So where else? Let's be honest, because we're being we're being honest with each other now. So uh, at what point? Because it's and and again, I'm not saying this judgmentally. With comedy, it's a constant balance between these things. Because it is comedy. It's the same thing. I see people get stuff. I'm like, okay, that person. It's weird. I wonder. I wonder if this is. It sounds to me. Like things are maybe a little cut and dry for you. I've seen I've seen people in comedy get opportunities sooner than they deserve. Yeah. I've seen people who deserve opportunities not get opportunities. Mm-hmm. But but I would say more often than not, if somebody is talented and perseveres, they get an opportunity. I would say that because I've been 15 years in New York doing comedy. Someone's good. And they hang in there and keep fighting. Generally, something happens at some point. Illustration. Yeah, illust- illustration. Does that feel true to you? Or is it a little bit more like you can get lost at sea even if you're one of the best? That, that feels very true. It rings true to me. Which part? The the comparison between the way that you describe the comedy scene to the illustration scene. That In that people... People who hang in there... They, sooner, yeah. They find people it. get breaks sooner than they deserve. People will hang in there long after they should have blown up. And eventually, find a way in, and if you hang in there, it'll all be fine. Now, let me ask you this: Are there specific illustrators that you're like, "Come on, how is yeah, how is this course. person cooking? How is this person's career getting so much uh, so much dap?" Yeah, definitely. And how like do those people of, get it? How do you feel like those people skip the line? Oh, honestly, I love that I reaction because you've thought hard about this. That I've sigh. I've thought so hard about this. Okay, how do those people do it? It's uh, kids who went to art school in New York. So like people who went to SVA, Parsons, Pratt, that lot of kids. And then people with social media presences who have like the fucking Instagrams that look like they belong on Pinterest boards, like that sort of. I like it, talking shit. I like that you're talking shit about a world that I don't care about, and I mean that with a lot of love, like, to hear that there is, yeah. there's other illustrators looking at Pinterest, and they're like, these New York, these New York dickheads yeah. who had the money for Pratt. I don't know yeah. if Pratt's an expensive yeah. school at all. I mean, it's a New York City art school. It's gotta be. And you're like, I, I don't need to know where you're from. It would be a little too much info. For me. But you're like, I'm stuck out in a, in a, in a Bloomington, Indiana. And just because I can't yeah. get to New York soon enough, these guys get like, okay, so New Yorkers, people who flex their muscle on Instagram, who else? Who else are the people that enrage you? Uh, people who, uh, yeah, I mean, so many of it is the the kids who are in art school at, like new school who are clearly just groomed by their teachers to do a certain style or like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just like shaking with rage right now. Good. I'm not entirely sure where this conversation is going. You don't know either. Got a short break. We'll find out where it's going when we come back. 
I don't know if you've ever tried to build a website. I have. Makes me feel bad about myself because there's so many confusing aspects to that that I cannot figure out. I recently spent about four straight days trying to build a website, and it was not easy. Squarespace makes it easy. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's completely true. Their sites look professionally designed. You don't have to be a coder to make that happen. You can just be a novice and go ahead, get a professionally designed looking website. It's intuitive, easy to use tools. You get a free domain if you sign up for a year, which is, I mean, how could they make it easier? You go right now to squarespace.com, start a free trial site today. Check it out. Do it. Get your work out there. If you make something and you want the world to see it, you got to make it easy for them to see it. Squarespace is going to help you do that. So get out there and do that. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CG to get 10% off your first purchase. CG, like Chris Gethard, who is me. Use that offer code CG. Get 10% off your first purchase, squarespace.com. Today's show is sponsored by Howl.fm, which is like Netflix for podcasts. With Howl Premium, you get exclusive access to a brand new Howl original comedy series, The Mysterious Secrets of Uncle Bertie's Botanarium, starring Jemaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. You follow a ship, the Jewel of the Gravy Isles, on a mission to find the source of pleasure in the world, Heaven's Clover. Clearly, this is a podcast unlike any other. It's also got a rich, detailed sound design and original music produced by an outstanding creative team. From New Zealand, and I cannot imagine how weird this one's going to get. With Howl Premium, you also get exclusive access to over 120 hours of Howl miniseries. You get audio documentaries like The Complete Woman, Finding the Funny with the Sklar Brothers, and Issa Rae's Fruit. You get 80 comedy albums, archives, WTF, Comedy Bang Bang, How Did This Get Made? They're all there. You get access to all of it on your iPhone, Android, whatever, the web, $4.99 a month. And with the promo code BEAUTIFUL, you get a full month free trial. Redeem the code. You go to the web, Howell.fm. That's H-O-W-L.fm. Use the promo code BEAUTIFUL for a one-month free trial. Howell Premium. Check out the mysterious secrets of Uncle Bertie's Botanarium, along with dozens of other things, hundreds of other things, thousands of other things. Check it out. Howell.fm. It's all about the phone calls, baby, so let's get back into it. Here we go. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, like, shaking with rage right now. I am losing Good. track of which element i'm most infuriated by okay good this is good because much like the star wars movies you're familiar with i am the emperor guiding you into that rage yeah Uh, and there's so many taxi driver references i could make but they'd go right over your head fall on deaf ears yeah yeah uh people who i feel like get have uh sense of what's popular right now with art directors and will just morph their style to to fit that, which is fine, and it should be adaptable, definitely. It just drives me insane when that person is 18 years old. So here's an interesting thing. This all ties back to your moral code. You think there's people who do it the wrong way or who get it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Now, here's a thing that I might put out there. That sounds to me like you might still be a fine artist deep down, doesn't it? does sound like that yeah there's a little bit of you that is waiting for people to recognize your greatness yeah and that is fair but i don't just from what you've described to me based today just what you've described to me about the world of illustration doesn't seem like illustration necessarily works that way like an 18 year old who can fit an art director style is what an art director needs right the art director needs someone who can do what they want yeah you don't want that. You want the art director to say what you do is actually better than what I thought I wanted. 
Yeah. Yep. That's going to get in your way. You can, you recognize that, right? Uh, I think on a subconscious level, I recognize that, but actively don't want to, <laughs> don't want to cope with it. You're not ready to cope with that. But to me, and you tell me if I'm wrong, fine art is where people appreciate artists. Yeah. Art, art directors, my guess is that art directors don't go, I'm in it for the art. They go, I'm in it because I have a fucking deadline. Who can get it done? Yeah. They have a problem they need solved. Yep. You're right. You're, You're not right. there to solve their problem. You're there for them no. to recognize I'm them. there for the glory. Yeah. You're a fine artist deep down. Uh, oh, that's heavy. Uh, yeah. Sit in You're that. right. I want you to just sit in that for a second. The 18-year-old who's getting the art director what the art director asks for gets the job. They get the gig. Some questions being asked, they have the answer. So here's here's a question I have for you. When's the last time you made a piece of fine art? When's the when's the last time you did something that wasn't an illustration, but that was tapping into your your background, your training? Uh, like maybe 2011 or 12. Okay, now here's another question I have for you. How often do you do illustrations that you know deep down secretly are more artistic than the illustration was meant to be? Uh, I did one a couple weeks ago. So you're hiding. You're hiding your art inside the less artistic world of illustration. Yeah. And that's a huge gamble, right? Because I bet you know, to me, and again, I don't know what I'm talking about with this world, but just from what you're telling me as an artist, I know as a comedian... That means it's either going to go big, it's going to go great, or it's going to go awful, right? People are either yeah. going to realize you're putting out something out there that's more special than the other stuff out there, or they're going to say, this guy just can't lock into our world, can't give us what we want. Yeah. This is all or nothing for you. Yeah. I really applaud that. I like that. On my best days, I think that's how I go as a comedian. But it does seem to me... Here's another weird thing. You've, you've now revealed yourself to be this guy who has all these layers of frustration with your profession, who's maybe putting in, in some, in some, you're like Trojan horsing art into this less artistic world. You maybe don't respect the world of illustration as much as, you know, entering it. You've said you kind of maybe look down at it a little bit, but have realized there's more layers to it, more opportunities for you to do what you want. But you're a guy who who doesn't. You're, it makes you nervous to park on the wrong side of the street. Mm-hmm. Those things don't add up. Those things don't add up at all. So talk to me about that. How can you be nervous to get a parking ticket when you are on like a one man mission to, to 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 infiltrate the world of illustration and change how it looks at your art? Those don't add up I at all, know. do they? No, they don't. And I know that I don't add up as a person. And I <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You don't add up as a person. Is that something that extends to like uh, every, like relationships, interactions? Is that just how you feel? Yeah, I feel like I I I feel like I don't have myself figured out yet. Like I have too many parts of myself that are opposed to one another. 
What's that mean? Can I ask? You don't have to share it because this sounds very personal, but what are the parts that are opposed to each other? Because that's such a, a very interesting and unique phrase to me. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a single example. I guess the uh, an example, I guess, would be like feeling like I have a strong sense of morality that's like based in an upbringing, a religious upbringing, but at the same time feeling like I don't want that and don't need to live that way yet still do. So raised religious? Yeah. Looking to maybe, you know, you moved to New York City, which means you are constantly exposed to heathens, outright heathens and atheists. Sure, and consider myself probably one of them. And yet you still have these vestigial attachments to how you were raised and, and all that. Okay, that's a real conflict. That's a real conflict. What else? So religious. We, we've heard about the many psychological layers of professional conflict. We've got some religious yeah. turmoil. We've got professional turmoil, religious turmoil. What else? Personal life. Walk, how's the personal life? Uh, good friendships. No, no, no non-existent love life. Is that... Which, is a choice that I've made, but I don't know why I've made it. A choice you've made, but you don't know why you've made it. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess probably just a fear of getting hurt. A fear of getting hurt. So you, so it does seem like both professionally, I wonder if there's something to this. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Your professional life is one of rejection. Rejection happens more often than acceptance. It's the nature of yes. the game. Mathematically, there is no, I would imagine there is no illustrator getting accepted more than they're getting rejected. Yeah. Do you feel like that affects your ability to have a love life because you've, are, you've maxed out on rejection? You can't handle more rejection? Is that part of it? That could very well be. Okay. Yeah, that could definitely... Yeah, I think if I had things going well in one area, I'd be able to generate the rejection energy needed to go on more dates. And would you say the professional life is the piece of the puzzle that you're you're most obsessed with figuring out and nailing down right now? Because that's something you can actually control. Yeah. yeah. So you feel like once you nail down your professional life, some other pieces are going to fall into place? I hope so. All right. Okay. So we've got religious turmoil. You've got a love life that you're putting on the shelf because you can't handle it in the face of some other stuff right now. You don't want to deal with it. Yeah. That's a lot. What else? What else? Anything else come to mind down this, uh, down this train of thought? Uh, I mean, uh... I mean, loving my family and choosing to not be near them. Okay. Yeah, that's a real New York thing, too. Um, it does seem like you're walking a pretty classic New York path in a sense. You're an artist who came here. You feel like an outsider. You need to break in. It separates you from your own morals, from your own people. But you feel like it's worth it and you can't give up on it. Yeah. That is New York in a nutshell to me separates you from your culture. It's a scary thing. I remember, and I grew up so close to you. I don't know where you grew up. I grew up in New Jersey, right across the river. And I felt like when I came here, it really separated me from all the people I grew up with. I felt like I didn't, like, I felt like there's a fundamental thing where my friends didn't quite get me anymore and where my family had to be concerned just because I lived in New York. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like uh, by moving here, my my friends from home are on a different level now. A different level. What's that mean? Just like I'm operating on a New York frame of mind, like career oriented, like dealing with the daily struggles of living in New York and everyone else is progressing in their careers. Fine. Their careers are just whatever to them. They're buying houses. They're your problems are married, different than theirs. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. you're non-traditional. They've remained traditional and let's go ahead and say it. Your failures are harder than theirs, but your glories could be greater. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You're superseding your small town upbringing. Trying to. Now I'm going to tell you something. We're at 45 minutes. I'm, I've been really enjoying this conversation. I hope you have as well. Yeah. I hope you felt comfortable the whole time. I've, I've felt I very comfortable I do want you to be able you. to get to other people too, though. Well, don't worry about that. That's very nice. That's yeah. very kind of you, but don't worry about that. But I'm just letting you know, because we got the studio time. Don't worry about that. We'll get to all the people. This phone never stops ringing, my friend. This phone never stops <laughs> ringing. I'll tell you this. Everybody at the studio has been has been uh, baffled because I put on Tumblr, hey, I'm willing to talk. The phone, it, it goes off the hook. So don't you worry about me being able to talk to more people, all right? I got that yeah. part. I'm just letting cool. you know, I don't get a choice. If you ever hang up, you hang up, that's great. But if we hit an hour, the phone just disconnects and we're done. So yeah. anything else you want to say? We got 15 minutes to say it. Uh, I guess my one follow-up would be, was it Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley? Well, I don't know. We'll double check Did on this Google Karen that and... thing. You, you got a little bit of the OCD, huh? <laughs> I just want to know that I was right. Oh, you want to know you were right. You got hubris, my friend. You got hubris. Yeah. And look at this. To bring it back to the beginning, you're this guy. You got all this turmoil. You can't figure out if you should. You can't figure out where things are going to land. You feel like you're kind of just floating adrift. And at the and the whole thing starts with you talking about sitting in a car and not knowing where to park it. Yeah. You were never telling me about a car. You were never telling me about a car. You had other stuff you wanted to get off your chest. You always did. And you said it's going to be about a car. Maybe you lied to yourself and said it was about a car, but it was never about a car. It was about being a talented person who has to balance... Healthy ego versus what I will tell you, I will say this to you because I don't know you, so I can say this without fear of consequence. There's a real balance with you, isn't there? And you know this between mm-hmm. healthy ego and self sabotaging arrogance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How's, how, do, how aware are you? Are there moments in your, have there been jobs that you've missed? Where you balance that and you have to decide, is this ego or is this arrogance? Is this healthy or is this unhealthy? My feelings about this other person getting the job, is it valid that I'm angry they got it or is it bitterness? Because one is healthy and productive, the other is not. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely people who I've seen get jobs that I've had to check myself and be like, I don't hate this person as a person. I just hate that I'm not doing this. And they are. And it sucks. And you just have to... I mean, the way that I handle it is by putting it aside and not thinking about it again. Now, I have a question. And then unfollowing them. 
I have a question for you that just occurred to me because you're a person who has such a, a strong code. I would even say, you tell me if I'm wrong, and I don't think this is wrong. I actually feel like I operated this way for many, many years as a comedian, and I think it served me well at times, and it also completely handicapped me at times. Feels to me like you internally, you're kind of walking your own hero's journey. You're the hero of your story. Yeah. Do you have a nemesis? Yeah. Is there another illustrator out there that you see them getting things and that's your nemesis? Do you have a rival? I have one that I can think of, yeah. There's a person out there that is the focus of your hate. Yeah, yes. Okay, so you don't have to name names because I think that that would make the world a little too small and would tread on the anonymous thing. Why are they, what is it about them? I can guess that they went to a New York art school. This one didn't, no. This one... The one that I'm thinking of uh, went to a no-name school in the middle of nowhere, but somehow met the right people or shook the right hands or got the right opportunities or put themselves out there in just the right way that everybody uh, wanted to hire them for whatever, this, that, and the other. And, and now, did you, you would know you it, say you went to a no-name art school in the middle of nowhere? Would you say that about yourself? I would, yeah. So the person you hate the most is the one most similar to you. Yes, but we're walking the successful version of my story. And a lot of it, you say, is because they know how to shake the right hands, talk to the right people. It's yeah, not just or that just it, we're in the right place at the right time. So you're saying that their networking has taken them farther than their talent. I would say that, yes, which is part of the reason I am resentful and angry. You're resentful, you're angry, and I don't want to see you resentful or angry, but I have a question. And this is a thing I will tell you because you and I are very similar people. Here's a question I had to ask myself because I get the sense. I haven't asked you your age. I'm 35 years old. I get the sense I'm a little older than you. Yeah, not much, but yes. I'm going to add. Here's a question I had to ask myself that really opened my eyes that I wonder if you don't have to ask yourself. This person, who's maybe less talented at illustration than you, but more talented than networking at you, why is that wrong? It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. Then it why does it fill you with resentment and anger? Because I want those things for myself. Is there any part of you that's ready to bend, to bend your code and start rubbing elbows, even though you think the work should just speak for itself? Uh, or is it about the work? Just, is the work going to win uh, out no, in the end? No, I think I'd be down to, to bend. I just get nervous at uh, the prospect of putting myself out there like that in a way that feels disingenuine. So you don't ever want to trade in your integrity? Sure, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. In my experience, that's how you wind up in the purgatory of public access television for four years. Hmm. That's where my career led me. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But it sounds like you're somebody who's ready to keep calling that bluff. It sounds to me like you yeah. and I are similar in that you're ready to go, nope, I'll just keep drawing the best pictures. Mm. Is pictures a demeaning term? Is that a word? No. Okay. I don't find it demeaning. So tell me this, yeah. uh, this conversation. You walk away from it. It could be you just never think about it again, or it could be I'm going to get out there and, and uh, I'm going to start rubbing the, the elbows. I'm, I'm going to stop being so full of resentment and rage. What uh, what do you think? What do you th you walk away from this phone call? What do you think? What's the what's the lasting takeaways from this? Because I have some. 
I have some myself because yeah. it's so interesting to me to look at your art form illustration and think of my journey in comedy. And I tell you, sounds to me, you've been in, because here's what I can do. I, I don't know what your actual age is, but being in New York three years, I remember what it was like three years into that. And I feel like that's a journey that when you get to New York, it starts. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So in that sense, I feel like I am a little bit of a veteran perspective based on your three years, which is not to discount your three years, but is to say, I remember what it was like being three years in. And I can tell you, honestly, I see you sticking to some of the same guns I stuck with in a way that I'm like so psyched for you. I also see you making some of the same mistakes I made and it concerns me and we have five minutes left and we're not going to solve these problems. So what do you, when you walk away, what's the takeaway from all this? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you have any particular advice? I mean, other than what I would do, which is probably stick to it, keep going put myself out there more, I suppose, in a way that I've been hesitant to do, but... Well, I think my advice is kind of grim. I mean, no, it's hopeful and it's positive, but it's really grim, which is this. It's like you have this code and and your code is probably right. It probably is. It's probably correct. It sounds to me like you're all about the best person should be getting the most jobs. And if I have something more to offer than other people, I don't understand why they're ahead of me in line. That is probably Mm -hmm. correct. And also it sounds to me like you're willing to go down swinging in a way that's really beautiful. And I don't ever want to dissuade. But to me, the thing is you also have to be ready to realize it might not work. And that's got to be okay because you're the one who's not bending. Yeah. You know? And here's the thing too. You realized... Here's the thing that I don't get is that when those teachers said you can't draw pictures of people cutting each other's heads off, you said, you know what, you're right. I see this. But with this, it seems like you know you're right, and that's going to get in the way. So I don't know. It's going to be the type of thing where you might not be able to pay your rent for a while if you want to stick to this code. That being said, if it works out, you're going to be a legend. Yeah. You're going to be a legend, right? That's the plan. You don't yeah. want to just draw some bullshit New Yorker cartoons that don't make sense. You want people to go, no, I'm buying the collection. This guy, I'm buying the compendium of everything this guy did because he, there was a, there was a body of work here. Yeah, I want to be the Chuck Ware of whatever. I don't know who that is. Oh, he's great. Uh, check his work out. <laughs> Chris Ware. Chris Ware, yeah. You don't even know the icons in your own world? <laughs> the Jimmy Corrigan guy? You're talking about Jimmy yeah. Corrigan. What did I say? What did I say? You said Chuck, Chuck Ware. You, mixed, you merged him with I the Looney Chris. Tunes guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do we, have any, uh, do we have any word on if that was Kira Knightley or not? Still no word on if that was Kira Knightley, and I'm telling you, we've got about a minute left, and we're going to leave this unresolved dangling Kira Knightley thing. Oh, no. Is there anybody we can Google real quick? Was was that Kira Knightley in the Star Wars prequels? The answer is almost definitely no. All right, we got oh, about no. a minute, my friend. You tell me, because it's about to cut off. Start pouring your heart out. It's cutting off at 60 minutes. Anything else you want the world to know, me to know, you need to process by saying it out loud. The floor is yours. Uh, just what I... Uh, I try really hard, and I hope that that's recognized at some point by someone. Wow. She, it wasn't. It was her. That was Kira Knightley. 
The decoy? She that was Kira Knightley played the decoy? She wasn't Hell already yeah. too big for that? Wow, apparently you were right. Okay, don't yes. you know, don't rub it in my face. <laughs> you, oh, she was twelve. You always want to be right. You always want to be right, okay? And it's gonna get in the way. And as soon as you found out you were right, you were like, eh, hell yeah. And I tell you, art director sensed that a mile away, and it's getting in the way. And it's you just <laughs> did it to me. And I can imagine when you just went, Yeah, hell yeah, it was Kira Knightley. <laughs> I'll check myself. I'll check my pride. Okay, he'll check himself. He'll check his pride. I'll check myself, and I'll check my pride as well. I think we'd all be well served to check our pride. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I hope that that guy out there achieves all his dreams and that as the rest of us witness a, a new takeover in the world of illustration, we'll all assume it was that guy who called that podcast that one time. Let's all assume that. So, yeah, if you want to know more about this, you can always go to Earwolf.com. Go to ChrisGeth.com if you want to know what I'm up to. And most importantly of all, the most important website you should check out. If you're looking for parking rules in New York City, go to NYC.gov. They got a whole section marked parking regulations. I looked it up on my phone. It took me 10 seconds. So that's where you can find that. I'm Chuck Gethard, Beautiful Anonymous. We'll see you next time. You never know how these conversations turn out on Beautiful Anonymous, okay? We all know that. But I can give you a little taste of what the next episode's going to be. Stop the clock, John! Stop the clock! We're breaking every rule, Greta! I can't let this homeless artist who's fought this hard not co-op my platform. Gethard Show fans, you are a cult. Everybody knows you're a cult. I am your guru and your leader. We get this person's back hard. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.